All right, welcome, Grace Point, or anyone else out there that's listening. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. Come as the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Come as the spirit of power. Come, Lord, and do us with power from on high. Open the eyes of our heart and the eyes of our understanding. Let us know the inheritance we have in Christ and the hope we have and the power and authority that's available through Jesus, Lord. Holy Spirit, come as the teacher. We receive you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, last week we left off in Acts chapter 2, and we were emphasizing that they were all together. They were in a common place, okay? Wasn't it horrible during COVID when we couldn't get together? You know what I mean? That really fractured the church. We need to meet together. We're, we need to meet together because we are the temple of God, and the presence of God comes into the temple. Yeah, of course he'll meet you at home. Of course he'll meet you with your family. Of course you can have a family altar, but there's nothing that replaces the body. It's like this. You know, the body of Christ, you have a head, you have an arm, you have a toe, and you have an ankle. Your family might be an ankle and a foot. Well, that ankle and foot at home is not going to be in operation until you bring it to a local gathering of people and attach it to a body. Does that make sense, Lily? You know, your foot on its own is just laying there on the floor. It actually is a pretty grotesque thing. You know what I mean? This idea that we don't need the body, and that's ridiculous. And we need to be gathered together. We don't want to forsake the assembling. And then when we gather together, we want to be in unity. We want to be in agreement. We could talk about that, how that operates and how that works. That's not the purpose of this teaching, at least not right now. But um, they were all together, and they were in one place. And that's where we left off. They were in unity. Okay, so the day of Pentecost came. And suddenly, verse 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire. This is the baptism of fire Jesus talked about. And it sat upon each of them, get this, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I, I want to go further and talk about evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One evidence, one evidence, not the only one, but one evidence that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit is tongues. You'll pray in tongues. Now, I know... Many people don't understand tongues. People get offended by tongues because they don't understand it. Look, tongues really means other languages, Lily, and it comes from heaven. If God baptized people in the Holy Spirit and gave them the ability to speak in tongues, I think God knows what he's doing. If it didn't embarrass God, it shouldn't embarrass the church. The devil fights against it because he doesn't want people praying in the Spirit because then you're praying through the power of the Holy Spirit and his day is done when you get a hold of that revelation. People leave churches sometimes because uh, 
People pray in tongues. And, you know, it's not all about the tongues, and I'm going to talk about that. Tongues is an initial evidence. I hear people, some people, I came out of a camp, they absolutely believed that you had to speak in tongues in order to say you were baptized. And there's others that say, no, tongues don't even exist, but you, you can be baptized in the Holy Spirit and power. And then there are all types of beliefs in between. And here's where I stand on that. When I first got baptized in the Holy Spirit, I prayed in tongues. The Holy Spirit came in like, like a rushing mighty river, like water, really. Like it was like a, like a torrent of water came into my spirit and just flowed out of me. And I didn't even believe in it when it happened to me. But I prayed in the Spirit. I prayed in other languages or I prayed in tongues. And it was like a torrent coming out of me. I've never doubted it from that day until this. And there are good scriptural reasons to believe that this is an initial evidence of the Holy Spirit. I don't believe it's the only evidence that you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. You know, I've been around people where they lay hands on people and then they coach them. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not even correcting it. But I am adding some balance to it. I've seen this happen recently where you coach people and you say, say whatever comes to your mind. That's okay. But sometimes they'll say, like, say shabadabadaba, whatever they do. And I've heard people pray in tongues. And uh, they absolutely were not baptized in power. They absolutely were not baptized in power. They were not endued with power. Why? I've seen him go back and get, get, have that experience of praying tongues, and the next day, they're committing the grossest of sins. They, I mean, I'm talking about, you know, sexual sin, and sin, just the very next day. And then um, they don't have any evidence of boldness. They have no evidence of power, no evidence of love. They don't become witnesses. That is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, you will be endued with power, and you'll be witnesses unto me. There'll be boldness. I'm going to show you this in another text, too. And you're going to see this in these guys, the boldness that came on them, okay? So just because someone shabadabadabas, okay, doesn't mean they've been endued with power. Now, I have an explanation for this, and honestly, I don't want to get too far afield with this. But I believe anybody that is born again and they're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, your spirit has a voice and your spirit has a language and your spirit can automatically pray in the spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, he activates it, that voice. He activates it. But I believe any spirit-filled person can pray in the spirit. But when the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes with power, he will often activate that in people. And that is an initial evidence. Okay, so Brad, what is another initial evidence? Well, there's other gifts of the Spirit. I don't want to emphasize that. Listen to this. Verse 7 says, when they all came together, it said people came when they heard this commotion they were amazed and marveled, saying, What can this be? Aren't these all Galileans? And we hear them speak in our own language. 
Verse 12, what does this mean? It says, other people were mocking. Verse 14, Peter, standing up among the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, you men of Judea and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be it known unto you and hearken unto my words. These are not drunken as you think, seeing it is but the third hour of the day, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days I will pour out my spirit upon you. And he goes on and on, and he keeps preaching. And so he preaches the gospel. Okay, Peter starts preaching the gospel with boldness. They had been hiding out. They denied Jesus. They were in fear. They didn't have power to testify. <laughs> They're locked up in an upper room. The last thing they did publicly was deny Jesus. They, everyone fled. And now... These same people, they're praying in tongues. That's an initial evidence of the Spirit. But now the power or the endowment from on high has come to them. Now they're speaking and preaching with power. They've received a power or an endowment to preach the gospel or to minister the Spirit or to work miracles or to operate in the gifts. There's something different about these powerless, fearful men the Holy Spirit has come upon them, and he has given them power, and he is making them and has made them witnesses. This power in love, this baptism of power, is the evidence that they have been filled with power. We will pick up right there next week.